everybody. So this is the Hallmarkies podcast, and we are here today to start our celebration of Christmas. Countdown to Christmas has begun on Hallmark Channel, and including the first movie of the 2018 season. And this is uh, Christmas at Pemberley Manor, and we are going to talk all about it, give you our little recap. And I'm Rachel, and I have special guest co-host today, Marissa Serafini from AfterBuzz is here. Yes, hello, Rachel. Thanks for asking me back. For coming. I'm so excited to talk with you. And we haven't had you on since our uh, bingo uh, episode, which was so much fun in July. Is bingo card queued up when you were watching this film? I didn't because I was busy live tweeting, but I know a bunch of people did. And one of the strengths, we're going to talk about it, but one of the strengths of this movie was it was Christmas crazy. <laughs> and like, I, uh, our friend Caroline, she showed us her bingo card and she, which you can print out homeworkiespodcast.com and her card was practically full. It was so funny though, because she just had like this outer border. So she didn't end up getting bingo, but she's had like 15 things clicked off, which I thought was, that was very emblematic of this movie that there was a lot of Christmas in this movie. Yes, yes, there was. And I think it was a, a solid start to the 37 movies we're going to watch this yeah. year. Yeah, and I think it was really smart to start with this movie because it was so Christmassy. And it, since we're not really in the Christmas spirit yet, because it's before Halloween, you kind of needed it to be a little overkill, I think, to kind of start everything, <laughs> start everything off. Yeah, they definitely started with the Christmas, but uh, it definitely had the feel of yeah. um, and, and the themes of what is an unusual Christmas Hallmark movie. Yeah. So since July, how have you how have you been? <laughs> I'm good. Been watching, admittedly, because uh, Chesapeake Shores kind of took over my schedule. For yeah. Well, that was like really the only thing I watched, and I fell behind in all the summer movies and stuff. Ooh. I still haven't watched the garage sale mystery movies that all aired in August, so I'm actually kind of behind on my homework movies. My introduction to the garage sale mysteries, but I thought they were so fun. I haven't seen any of them. Before. No. Mm -mm. Yeah, I I forget at what number count they are now, but there's like there was probably a solid eight, mm -hmm. at least eight to ten before I. Know how many movies they're at now, but yeah, Lori Lachlan's fun. Yeah, I've never been a big fan of the mystery shows, but I really liked the family dynamic in the Grassell Mysteries. I thought they were really fun, and I thought they did a pretty good job obfuscating because some of them are just so obvious to me that they become kind of boring. And um, I thought they did a decent job, and I really just liked the whole cast a lot. Yeah, it's a good cast. I like the family dynamic. Mm -hmm. all of them. And you know, conveniently, that Laurie's character is going to, like, find something. Yeah. going to be like, yep, here's our mystery. And I, I do actually um, am a general fan of mystery slash thriller kind of storylines. Mm -hmm. Like Holmes is, you know, one of yeah. them. Yeah. The, the Aurora Tea Garden uh, I, I, and the Grouch Mysteries are the best. Murder She Big series. Um, yeah, I actually haven't seen any of those, believe it or not. I know, shocking. <laughs> there's a lot of mystery movies to watch, but yeah. those are also, they're difficult to watch because they're always filled with snacks. And oh. when you're done or you're watching them, you, you have like a whole pack of Oreos next to you and you're just eating them throughout the movie. Uh-huh, yeah. You're bad for your health when you're watching those movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I was talking to, did an interview with Jill Wagner and she said, she, she's talking about the Christmas cookie movie that she was in. Yeah. And she was like, she was like, I could just keep eating Christmas cookies because it's for my job. <laughs> Be nice. I love Jill Wagner. Yeah, that was really, really fun. We decided that, because my last name's Wagner. So we decided that we're cousins. <laughs> I believe yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Sure, you guys have listened to our two Hallmark preview shows where we cover all 37 of the films give our expectations uh, on the different films and we did a lifetime preview show and then and then tomorrow on our uh, podcast we are going to have what we call the all the rest preview show where we're going to preview Netflix, Freeform, uh, Up TV, uh, feature films, everything. So we will have 
previewed everything that has anything to do with Christmas in 2018. And it's really a fun one. Yeah, that's so, a lot. Good for you. Yeah, I counted it out that we, I think total, we previewed something like 85 films what? between the between the four podcasts. <laughs> anyway, all right, well, let's dive into this movie. So this, uh, this movie, Christmas at Pemberley Manor, is our first Countdown to Christmas film this year. And it was written by Rick Garman, who is a Hallmark legend. He has written so many different movies. And it was directed by Colin Thace, who's also done a number of Hallmark films. And we had in it Jessica Loundis and Michael Rady. Uh, and in the two lead roles. And what was your expectation going into this? Honestly, uh, the only thing that like really grabbed me just in the preview aspect was um, Pemberley because of Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen. Yeah. Oh yeah, great. Jane Austen-esque, <laughs> I'm there. Um, and then while I was watching it, I was like, okay, they're, they're using the names, but not many, and we'll get more into it, but the yeah. theme. I thought I, I like Jessica Landis and Michael Rady, and I think they're fun. Never have seen those two pairings together, and I think uh, they they played off each other pretty well. So I was like, if you like the main two characters and protagonists, you're gonna follow the film. Like generally, uh, hopefully you'll like the film after that. So yeah, I I kind of had the same. I actually was looking forward to this more than the uh, Pride and Prejudice and Mistletoe movie coming up. Uh, because in that one, I've read the book on the, in that one, and I didn't really like it very much. And in that one, the the lead character is Darcy, which in the book, I didn't think it really worked that well. I'm still hopeful because Lacey Chabert, Brendan Penny, and the writer is one of our favorites of that one. So I'm hoping that it will be a surprise. But this one seemed more promised to have Elizabeth as the lead character. Uh, and uh, so I was pretty excited in uh, and you have two basically hall stars here uh, with Jessica Loundis having been in Yes, I Do and in Magical Christmas Ornaments and December Bride and Merry Matrimony. So she's been in uh, quite a few Hallmark movies. And then Michael Rady has been in The Christmas at Homestead, which is really good. One of my favorites. Yeah, that one's really, really good. And uh, he, it was in Joyous Christmas last year, which I, did, I didn't really care for that one. But Christmas at Homestead is really solid. And so anyway, I was excited. And I kind of have two feelings about this movie. I, I thought that all of the Christmas stuff was really fun. And I enjoyed all of that. I thought that the Jane Austen stuff was all bad. I didn't like any of the Jane Austen stuff. Or the and I, of, of Jane Austen stuff. Yeah, I didn't think that it worked at all. <laughs> like, I kind of wonder if these people have read Run Prejudice because like, there was like no similarities at all. It kind of, uh, I was talking to Amber about it, and she mentioned the old Pride and Prejudice from the 1940s with Lawrence Olivier, and that one is also bonkers. It's nothing like Pride and Prejudice. But like in, in that one, uh, Lady Catherine de Burr is like a busybody matchmaker. <laughs> so, like, it's not like it at all. But I do think in that one, they get Darcy right. Because Olivier is amazing, you know, it's Darcy. Um, whereas I don't think they even did that here. Like, I think I would have, and I found it really distracting because I kept thinking like, instead of just enjoying the movie and like as a fluffy, fun little movie, I was like, trying to figure out what they were doing. <laughs> and I'm like, why is this person Wickham? Has absolutely no similarities with Wickham at all. <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah, I, while I was watching, I was like, yo, okay, we have our Darcy and we have our Elizabeth Bennet. But then when you're watching the characters, you're like, the, those names were completely different. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so is it really just the main two leads that are somewhat pride and prejudice and then the story was completely different in the yeah. fact that like they had their own not to say it was original but different from what pride and prejudice was yeah he does anything prideful exactly. ever like his his worst things that he does is make a joke with his 
uh, with his um, assistant, and, and who's not like Bingley at all. <laughs> what was that? And and then he is going to sell a house, but he's not even selling it. It's the board of directors who are selling it, so he's not even the bad guy here. And he doesn't want to have the festival there because they're selling the house, and so like that makes total sense. So, and not that Darcy should be the bad guy because he's really just kind of shy and awkward and, you know, and a little bit prideful, mm-hmm. but they didn't, he's not like prideful at all. Yeah. I, I was waiting for, you know, six, so that's your point about Darcy, but my thing was like the development of Elizabeth Bennet because yeah. of Pride and Prejudice, it's so family oriented. Right mothers always wanting to get the, all the daughters married off and stuff and so I was kind of hoping there'd be a more family dynamic with like the sisters maybe giving her um like pressure to get into a relationship especially around the Christmas and no not any not at all <laughs> like, we saw no family basically right kind of remember if like she had any you know, she had the lines like I'm gonna go home after this event to be with my family yet we never saw right I, I was waiting for like a family dynamic that is so prevalent in the actual story. And she wasn't like prejudiced at all. Like she was, uh, I guess she had one little speech where she judged Darcy in the in the limo. But other than that, like she was perfectly pleasant and perfectly sweet. And she was more like almost like Jane in the book. If you were going to give her a character, kind of sweet and. A little like naive <laughs> and uh, but you know very very pleasant and she was more like that and not like Lizzie really at all who makes these kind of judgments and who has a hard time kind of letting go of those judgments both for and against people and like she judges Wickham to be a nice guy and she holds on to that for longer than she probably should she she judges uh Darcy to be a terrible person she holds on to that longer than she should and that's what makes her character interesting yeah elizabeth has more of a, an attitude and snap judgments against other people in the original story and yeah. the character of elizabeth in this movie is like super likable um yeah. if you want to be friends with her in the original story you kind of don't you, you wouldn't maybe like keep her at arm's length yeah yeah because she's pretty uh Judge, and, the, and there was no like Mr. Collins. Who was supposed to be the Mr. Collins? And that's a missed opportunity. When you don't have Mr. Collins, who's like super funny. That's why I say like lack, lack thereof, because there are so many characters or that are in the original story, but you saw nowhere. Yeah, Santa's supposed to be Mr. Collins, but that doesn't make any sense. I mean, he had some comedic lines, but <laughs> he was just there out of convenience. Yeah. And it just made no sense having this, this George character who was really nice and really sweet um, being Wickham. Like Wickham is a liar and he's a like schmoozer and he, uh, I don't know, he's not a, not a nice person. Yeah, and I think the only conflict I guess you can say with George is you can see maybe some hint of jealousy because he wanted to be with Elizabeth years ago and bitterness because it never worked out. But there was an actual moment you can tell he accepted it and accepted that they were better off as friends. And then there was a moment he actually encouraged William Darton. to be with Elizabeth so I'm like he he wasn't the conflict character either yeah like I thought that he was supposed to be Bingley for a long time and it was about 20 30 minutes into the movie when uh they I think they finally said the name of the assistant and last name either because they were just like Travis 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 and they said Travis Bingley and I was like what first of all like Bingley should not be the assistant of Darcy. Like that doesn't make any sense. And and second of all, um, I thought that the other guy was Bingley. I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like it makes way more sense for George to be Bingley because in him and Darcy to be kind of friends and that that's fits Darcy that fits Bingley's character way more than if it's him being Wickham made no sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely because they they were more like working friends you know professional friends yeah 
I thought that uh, that Jane, uh, played by uh, Maddie McCormick, I thought she was really cute. But for a long time, I thought that she, because I thought that George was Bingley, I thought she was going to end up with George, and <laughs> which I thought would have been really cute. Um, but then it, she, she ends up with, with Bingley, with Travis, which was cute. And I, I like their, their meet cute moment when, like, eyes locked and love at first sight. Yeah. Okay, you know what's going to happen here. Um, I enjoyed that when we have, mm -hmm. like, strong secondary couple to, to root for. Yeah. There's usually Hallmark movies. Majority of the time you're rooting for your main, but sure. one secondary relationship with yeah, touch. yeah, they did a good job with uh, secondary characters. I agree, and definitely did a good job with the lingering looks, which is a very Jane Austeny thing. So I guess they got that right. But <laughs> with all the characters, just the lingering looks. One one time it gets a little creepy, but for the most part, it really worked. <laughs> yeah, and I liked how they actually used that that secondary relationship to help the, the first one, you know, for um, when Jane tells Travis to stall William in the car, you know, near the end. So it's like, yeah, I like how the secondary character did play a big part in the movie. Yeah, and then we had uh, the Santa character play named Christopher, played by Steve Larkin. And this really surprised me. I was not expecting uh, there to be the real a real Santa in this movie. Uh, because Hallmark's really moved away from Santa stories. I mean, there are hardly any that at least appear. Like, I would never have thought from this description that there was going to be a real Santa in this movie. Um, and I, I don't know, that that's actually was kind of a pleasant surprise just because I did not see it coming. And uh, so that was sort of fun. There's really, I think the only movie that's like a guaranteed Santa in this whole 37 is uh, the Letters to Santa, the Christmas in Evergreen yeah. sequel. Other than that, like... It has an actual magical element to them. Yeah. Christmas magic and Santa is very much not on display this year for Hallmark. And so this was kind of, I thought it was sort of fun. And it's good to start your first Christmas movie with an actual Santa. I, like, I saw it and I didn't see it. Like, yeah. So it did, it's like the moment you physically see Christopher, you know he looks like Santa. So I immediately thought I was like he's gonna play Santa in some way. Yeah. Um, when the their quote unquote first Santa got sick or whatever, couldn't couldn't make the event. We we're like, well, yeah, because you have your other other dude that already looks like Santa. He's gonna step in. So uh, that that was predictable in that sense. But I didn't realize that they he was going to be the actual Santa. Um, but in hindsight, when Elizabeth did say that moment sh where she wrote a letter to Santa for true love and she's hoping like she gets her wish and whatever, um, eventually as, as just an audience member, you hope to actually see that storyline play out. And the only way you can see that is to have real Santa grant her wish. And so Christopher becoming the real Santa. Yeah. I didn't see that coming, but I should have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it just, uh, like, once it was clean, I was like, okay, I see where this is going, but, like, it just surprised me they included that as a plot element. I uh, wasn't expecting it uh, from the movie. I actually enjoyed it. I did, too. I So, uh, the only reason, it might seem like we're, we're harping on this uh, Jane Austen thing, but it was really distracting. It just kept, my brain kept going, like, what, what's going on? Why are they doing this? And it, it did, it really did hurt a lot of my enjoyment of the film. I mean, I still enjoyed it overall, but it was definitely a big downside for me. And I just wish they had instead just called it, uh, I think the town was called like Link, Link, Lankford or something like that. They should have just called it Christmas at Lankford. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it definitely does a disservice towards like true Jane Austen fans. I think it maybe I can, and this might be the only justification that I'm trying to think of why they would make it Pride and Prejudice, because obviously it's the same demographic that's watching and reading these stories. Um, and that might be for the marketing aspect, just to get the fans to watch this film. But we're already here. They don't need to sell us. It's a Pride and Prejudice story. It's Christmas. Yeah. We're already here watching it. So I, I think maybe just for marketing, because it's Pride and Prejudice, people are, that's going to attract yeah. viewers. But it really doesn't if you're going to have two characters just who coincidentally has the names. Yeah. Prejudice characters. It's just distracting. Story, 
none of the story plot elements or character developments really. Yeah. Don't call it a Pride and Prejudice Jane Austen film. Yeah. I think uh, Unleashing Mr. Darcy, Ryan P- Peavy's character, I think is way more of a Darcy character in that one. Agreed. So, like, she anyway. lived up to the Darcy character. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so let's dive in. Uh, what did you think of having Meredith from the Pear Trap as the <laughs> boss? What was that? <laughs> to see her in the first minute of the film, I'm like, sold. Um, I've talked about it before on your yeah. show. Like, Parent Trap is literally my all-time favorite movie ever. And I've met Elaine Hendricks in real life. So to see her, I immediately texted oh my, my friend. I was like, she's in this movie. And she's also <laughs> a biatch. And she's so great at it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was told. The minute she was, I saw her, I was like, I don't even care. I just, I could watch her. So I was very, very excited that she was in it. And I should have known she was in it, but like, there was no, she didn't promote or tweet yeah. it. So like, and I follow her. Um, so to see her was a nice surprise. Um, and I knew because she's so good at playing, like, not to say evil, but like the villain. Villain, yeah. Villain, yes. Um, sorry, not to make your show PG-13. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> The villain conflict character, you knew she was going to have a moment. Um, yeah. you, she, she was going to create the conflict in the movie. And she did have a big plot line. She, she played a big part in the last film. Yeah. I liked it. It was really, really fun. I was like, oh my gosh, they should take her camping. That was all the problems. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, I, I I do like initially I was already starting to be distracted by the whole Jane Austen thing. Cause I, I said on Twitter, I'm like, I feel like Elizabeth Bennett would really like Christmas would very, very pro Christmas. And that Darcy would also be pro Christmas because it would make his sister happy. And he's not really anti Christmas here. He's just very like practical because he's selling the house. He's like anti promotion, anti like self promotion. Um, yeah. And, like, which is nice because he was doing good things but not getting attention for himself. So, like, I like that just as a character because it just shows he's a good person doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Not asking attention for it. So, I like that. Yeah, and I thought that Michael Reedy, he looked very handsome. <laughs> yeah, I thought that he looked very radiant. He was, <laughs> he was really good. Radiant. Yes. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I guess his big thing that makes him kind of a villain is that he's making people work on Christmas, but he's very, like, he's doing it in kind of a little bit of a naive way. Like, he's not doing it to be mean like a Scrooge would. He's just very much like, of course, it's just, I don't know, it's just different. It's not out of, like, anger or trying to make people or some kind of statement about Christmas. Like, He's he's fine movie. He's totally willing to play ball with whatever happens. Like he's not a difficult person. He's just very practical. Like he's willing to go shopping for the stuff. He's willing to to uh, to you know decorate the tree when she gets the tree. Like he's up for it. He's just very like very practical and very focused on his business. He's very business driven, and that's not. Uh... Like you said, he's not the Scrooge. He's like, he has a deadline. He's literally yeah. just, um, and a lot of people have to do that. I have to do this. Like, sometimes you just have to streamline and get your work done no yeah. matter what it is. I mean, tomorrow's Halloween. I still have to work on Halloween. That doesn't make me, like, the Scrooge in that sense. It's just, right. like, he's more, like, get her done, and, like, that's it. And it's not being mean, and he's just being, like, a businessman. He, he's yeah he a very big brand in, in that sense so it, but i like the fact that he was very helpful and he was compliant and mm-hmm. um he helped whenever necessary he dropped whatever work he was doing to do work for this christmas event and stuff so mm-hmm. I, I liked him he he didn't seem like the terrible business guy like who was lonely um and bitter he just he got so used to working and not spending the actual holidays with people. Yeah. So it was pretty funny. The, so they get to the town and uh, he asks his assistant to go get him a coffee. 
And like, it was kind of funny. They didn't even like bother to have like a coffee shop or anything. It was like this weird outdoor like stand in the middle of this like park. It was like, what is this weird stand? I don't know. I thought that was so classic. At least one cafe. <laughs> funny it was like the classic thing from hallmark that they just are like well who cares we're just gonna do it because it works for the script exactly. <laughs> and um, sometimes comes from outdoor stands yeah evidently that's the case here and you have our uh travis bingley his assistant who goes up to the top of the line he's like look i need to get this sorry there's this long line at this at this stand and and Elizabeth is like, hey, you can't butt in line. <laughs> and so he's like, my boss is going to fire me because I'm not getting him this coffee fast enough. And meanwhile, Darcy is like, um, I was just joking. It was just a bad joke. And, and so Elizabeth goes up, not realizing who it is, goes up to the limo and she's like, look, buddy, you're being a terrible boss. Why are you telling him to do this? And I don't know. What do you think of that? I mean, I, I think they were trying to establish that Darcy's not the greatest guy, quote, mm -hmm. quote. Um, But also, it also establishes that, yeah, he was trying to be funny, but yeah. he's bad, and he comes across too serious. Like he, um, and I think they were they were trying to go with Darcy in the original. Um, story is is a very serious guy um fairly serious you know uh so i think they were just trying to make it look like he was trying to be funny but he really wasn't so basically in this version of pride prejudice for whatever and uh, darcy is just kind of a businessman who makes bad jokes <laughs> no he i mean he he tries to be funny but he, yeah ethically. that's like the level of sort of villainy that were and not that Darcy is a villain in the in the book but we, you know what I mean that's the level of sort of pride that we're getting here is <laughs> like he told a bad joke uh so also I do think it's really funny how they're all supposedly got these hot cup of uh cups of coffee in their hands and it's like they don't even pretend that they're actually like they're just so obviously empty cups that you're just like can you at least try to like pretend that you're holding something hot and right see that didn't bother me more so the the fake snow on the ground because you saw white snow but underneath it you saw pure green grass yeah sometime in the spring or summer when they're filming this movie <laughs> yeah agreed and they they did a pretty good job with the tree coverage i think uh, and like the wider shot of Pemberley Manor looked pretty good, I think. But yeah, definitely, especially once they set up the festival, uh, it, it you could it looked that's when you saw it. I think more. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. And Pemberley Manor, this was kind of like, uh, it was. I don't know if you'd call this a manor. <laughs> I guess in like New England it would be, but not like. Not certainly not in like the south, you know, where you've got this like plantations and stuff. Like I don't know if I'd call this a manor, but whatever. We'll we'll let it we'll let it slide. It was certainly a beautiful home. And what did you think of the sinkhole conflict? Um not necessary, because it really didn't move the plot forward. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it just it helped just to get the whole story at Pemberley Manor. Because they were trying to create some kind of motivation that, like, that they would have to last minute rely on Pemberley Manor for this festival. And uh, there's, like, nowhere else. The only other place is, like, a bait and tackle shop or something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is quite the sinkhole. Holy cow. It's, like, swallowing up the whole town. It was really funny, I thought. They made it, like, this is as big as the problem. So like they had to make it as desperate as it could be that the manor is the last resort. Yeah. Also, I did find it a little groan inducing this whole idea that they're going to tear down this beautiful home and build condos. Like <laughs> it kind of reminded me of uh, Love Once and Always from uh, this year that I think was in March. And that one, they're going to tear down this beautiful house to build a golf course. And I'm like, that makes no sense. First of all, there's all this land. 
all around, like why, why on earth would you tear down this beautiful home that's still functioning, still operating? You know, it's not like it's like got termites or some horrible thing. Like you could make a killing hosting weddings at Pemberley Manor, just have it be an event space. <laughs> Um, it's I, I also to, to add maybe to the Darcy character that how heartless can you be when you yeah. tear down a beautiful home just to put up something as straight and boring as businessy as condos like what yeah. else it seemed like such a de- like a sellout kind of character because you're building developments no one wants developments yeah it, well, build like a dislikability factor yeah. know that Hallmark business is evil and uh, that's the business is bad. And so that was our, there was their way of trying to kind of, they wanted to make him bad, uh, an antagonist, while still making him the protagonist, making him the lead. Uh, so it was like, well, I'm going to sell the house, but it's really the board that's selling the house, you know? So it's kind of like they gave him, I said these mean things to my assistant, but it was really just a joke. So it was kind of, that was their way of sort of, setting up the character but then not really you know (laughs) there's sort of an out for everything and uh so yeah she's able to uh, they go up and they try to get a use of Pemberley for this festival he's like oh we're selling the house like we're not gonna use it we're not gonna it's not gonna work um so she goes to the buyers and uh, or the um I think or the board yeah, that's right. Yeah. And she's like, this will be great. This will be really goodwill for the whole community, whatever. So she gets him and she gets them to agree. And then he's like, okay, sure. Let me know what I can do to help. I like that go-getter attitude that she has. Yeah. Skip, literally skip the middleman and take a ride to the stores. Um, I like that. <laughs> yeah. And I just loved all the scenes with them shopping because they had like a million bags and then this like big pile of these boxes that look like shirt boxes you know what I mean like when you get a shirt at the department store (laughs) and I'm like what are they buying for this at like those kinds of stores like I'm all for shopping local but I would think for a festival you need to go to like Kmart (laughs) stock up or Walmart or whatever it was really funny to me and but I just thought this is the only version of Pride and Prejudice where Darcy becomes Elizabeth's shopping stooge (laughs) It was great. I loved it. It was really fun. It was fun to see him like struggle because you don't really, that's what his assistant is for. And so the fact that he's actually doing quote unquote work for this, it it added humor. Yeah. So we're kind of trying to make him seem like some kind of ladies man, which was really funny. Like that was a little unusual for Mark because they were like uh, saying about how he dated two models at once. (laughs) he is Michael Rady, so I will, I mean, he's a very handsome man, so I believe it. and famous could get any girl he wanted. Yeah, for sure. Then we, it was weird, because they had the tree buying scene, not between Darcy and, and Elizabeth, they had it with Elizabeth and George, which was sort of weird, <laughs> I, you know, because that's kind of an iconic moment for a Hallmark Christmas movie, is the tree buying scene for the couple. So that was sort of strange. Yeah, I mean, I didn't find it as strange because we did have Elizabeth and William when they were tree decorating. Yeah, that helped. That's true. Emotional um, backstory to Darcy's um, history and why he he doesn't like the holidays and his connection to the house. So I didn't mind the tree buying scene that wasn't with Darcy. Mm-hmm. Got the tree decorating scene. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and it, but one thing I did think was really weird. So they have this really pleasant decorating the tree, very flirty, very nice. And uh, she she leaves, and he's like, "Oh, I'm not going to go to the festival because I just want it to be about the town. I don't want it, me to get involved." And they have this discussion, and then afterwards, she's like, "He threw me out of the house." I'm like, "No, he didn't." He got you out of the house quickly, but he did it in a very nice way. Yeah, he did not throw her out of the house in any way, shape, or form. Like, what is going on? So, that was weird. He's working on the the festival, and we get this, this really kind of a little bit... I have this thing on my Twitter where I say, is it Hallmark or Horror? 
where I take a screenshot of a, because <laughs> my theory is that you could make almost any Hallmark movie a horror movie if you put a different score. But that's true for almost all romances because <laughs> if you, did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. So there's this whole episode where they talk about the Dahmer versus Dobbler. Yes. You know that one? And so it's the whole thing that Barney talks about that when you, or I think my, Barney or Ted, but that when somebody that you like is doing romantic gestures, like Dobbler and Say Anything, mm-hmm. that it's really romantic. But when it's somebody you don't like, it's super creepy and weird. Right. So then it's like Dahmer. And <laughs> sometimes I feel like that you could totally do that with Hallmark and have the exact same things, but it's somebody that you don't like. So the exact same situations look creepy. And it was just kind of, it was a classic Hallmark or horror when she's out there like working on the festival and he's looking at her from the window. And it was just a little, like, it was a little leering. Yeah, I, know, I can see that now, now that you mentioned it. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah. And I, I love Say Anything. We just had Ioni Sky in the studio a couple of weeks ago, and I bugged oh. um, So, yeah, I, I love Lloyd Tapler. And <laughs> brought up that, that reference. That is funny. I never thought that that could be horror. But I did, I, I did feel, as an audience member, I felt for him because, like, oh, he's so used to celebrating holidays by himself. He never had to connect with people, or, like, he never really properly connected with people. Yeah. And, social events like that so I think he was just conditioned to always look um, look towards the actual fun and that but actually not be a part of it yeah and that is the cool thing that is the one thing I think they got right about Darcy's character is that Darcy is kind of lonely and you know he's had to he's had to do a lot on his own including raise his sister they don't have a sister in this one but I think they captured his loneliness pretty well in this and I definitely think so too and especially with the backstory during the tree decorating scene where it's like um his family where he grew up and then he never really had a proper christmas um mm-hmm. he grew up with his his well, what was it his aunt or his no grand grandparents I'm um but like his last proper christmas was when he was young so mm-hmm. imagine in the last probably 10 15 years um he just got so used to not having a real christmas yeah and then next we got a cookie baking sequence because like seriously they really did have it all in this movie they had tree decorating tree purchasing they had a real santa they had a festival christmas festival they had travel shenanigans they had a cookie baking montage i mean there were a lot of tropes in this one movie and i i I wasn't sure if they were just making the cookies for fun or if it was part of the festival i think it might have been just for for fun. fun I don't, I don't think we saw the cookies at the festival. Yeah. But so. it had a lot of laughs because there was the moment she was giving him a hard time about the, the frosting. <laughs> right. It was cute. It was cute. Are you frosting judging me? Yeah, it was good. So then she's starting to lead the festival and uh, he brings out the uh, horsing, uh, he brings out the carriage. And at first I was like, does he have horses? Like what's going on here? Uh, but they're gonna renovate it, whatever, for furbish it so they can use it for the festival. The, the carriage was so easily accessible. It was like, oh yeah, we just have a carriage line. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have horses? What? Horse. <laughs> we also get that she writes letters to Santa. And that was another trope that she had in there. And that she asked for true love, which was very cute. <laughs> I liked that. Aww. Yeah, it was really, really cute. Um, I did love the uh, the tree lighting scene and the festival when they had that giant switch. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I liked Santa. He says or Chris, whatever says, Christmas is about more than decorations. It's about people, people you care about, and who care about you. So it was cute. Like Hallmark usually has good messages. Yeah, for sure. And he, so he goes outside and he, they have this handshake and some tabloid or whatever takes a picture because that's like big tabloid moment there is for the, uh, is for the small small town festival. (laughs) Your main headline. Yeah. Handshake scandal. Um, And then there's a, there's an article in the paper, Billionaire Darcy Saves Christmas. And 
like again, scandal. Oh my gosh, holy cow. Yeah. Boss sees this and uh and she freaks out because she's like, This is not representing our event planning well, which is very confusing because it's like well, it's literally really about saving Christmas for a town. <laughs> what? <laughs> Your name is attached to a billionaire. How is that not saving? <laughs> yeah. I mean he's giving her a handshake. It's not like he's like suing them or something like that. <laughs> like he's obviously happy, but she's very upset. And she gets, Elizabeth gets very upset. And she's like, if this were event planning school, I would have flunked. <laughs> so I don't know. It was hilarious. And, and then they're looking for Santa Claus and they're like, if only there was someone around here, it looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> and that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, wasn't, he should have already been Santa Claus. Yeah. Christopher's like, what? I don't look like Santa Claus. Yeah. That was really funny. I love that line. Like, I don't see it. <laughs> Yeah, and they get um, Travis, his uh, elf helper costume, which I thought was really cute. Yeah, sort of more about Wickham or George being friend zoned. And he's like, maybe I should ask her again. So he talks to Darcy about it. And he's like, you know, me. Give it up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and the boss is like i'm gonna have to come and rescue this because you've just done such a terrible job which was ridiculous but it was yeah, no she's been doing a great job yeah obviously doing a great job he was happy with it and i also i loved the scene when uh <laughs> when, uh, he, when darcy was wrapping presents that was so funny i thought yeah because yep. <laughs> he's like the worst present wrapper ever <laughs> not, not to like generalize but like men cannot wrap gifts <laughs> that's yeah, I, I, I rarely ever have met any men that can actually properly wrap a gift yeah i think they just maybe rush and it has to be done kind of methodically you just like put some tape on it call it wrapped <laughs> but there also was a, a really really fun moment like i love when they sneak in little like hand holding in, in Hallmark movies they think oh do we even notice but then it's like oh I noticed because like she like puts her hand on his arm like very nice it was good <laughs> uh, that's like first base at Hallmark you know the <laughs> hand arm touch <laughs> very good get too close yeah that's right <laughs> Uh, so then, uh, I think Caroline, what's her name, was the boss. She comes and she's going to revolutionize the festival. And her version of revolutionizing the festival is basically installing like 10 tables, which was probably a smart idea, let's be honest. Change much per se. She just like made it bigger, I guess. Like, yeah. The line where Caroline was like, well, let's see what else I can savage, uh, salvage of, the, of this event. I'm like, she, she did all of the work. You, she was just adding more. Like, well, yeah. the table's here. Let's add a, add a station here. I was like, you're not really changing things. You're just adding to it. There's going to be food. It's probably a smart idea of tables. That was probably a good good call. But, I was like, that's a good call, too. Uh, and then she, like, goes to lunch with him. And it was like, is she trying to make a move? Right. Like, or should this... Just business. I'd like some time alone to like talk things over. Yeah, right. I don't think that's the best way to get his business is to like try to make a move. But um, but there's this him and Darcy and Elizabeth go on this carriage ride, which was another trope that they had in there for Christmas, and I thought that was really fun. Yeah, and then Caroline wants to take a a ride immediately after. You're like, oh no. (laughs) Yeah. And so then we find out that the singer is sick or something happened to the singer. And we've heard her like humming throughout the show. And, uh, and so that's when Christopher's like, you should sing, you should sing. And so she gets up there and she sings, Oh, Holy Night, which I actually thought that her singing was fine. It's not like the best singing I've ever heard in my life, but I thought it was fine, especially for a character that's supposed to be a little insecure a little, you know, like a little nervous. I thought it, it worked, but I just don't think they should have picked that song because Only Night is one of the hardest songs, Christmas songs to sing and maybe the hardest Christmas song to sing. Yeah. It goes a whole octave <laughs> jump. It's really tough and it was acapella, which is even tougher. So I think that that was a mistake and they should have done something just simple and sweet like the first Noel. 
or something like that. Yeah, and you knew her character was eventually going to sing because they dropped those hints. Yeah. She's like, hey, I love singing, yada, 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 her humming. So you knew, like, that That was the pre- very predictable in that sense. Like, yeah. It was going to feel. But I agree, with, it should have been a different song because Oh Holy Night is super hard. My favorite version, and I'm, I'm going to sound completely biased, but it's true. Martina McBride, who's been mm. all time, she killed mm-hmm. Oh Holy Night. Listen yeah. to white christmas album oh holy night yeah that's how you sing oh holy yeah night would have been perfect because it's very simple it's very sweet great acapella as well yes yeah silent night i agree silent night was designed to sing acapella yeah exactly that's what i would have done but i thought she was fine i i i uh I didn't have a problem with her singing, uh, but anyway, it was Chris Tiffer who says, it's time to believe in the magic of the holidays. You can get what you wish for, but you have to ask. So that was a nice message. Mm-hmm. And then we get our classic uh, misread observation, I guess, uh, <laughs> the scene where he's going to go tell Elizabeth how he feels. And uh, he drives up upon her and George hugging and he thinks that it's a big moment when it's really them basically saying goodbye. And this is just like another classic trope thrown in there. Oh, right. Like a, a mis, miscommunication or like yeah. overheard conversation or just like a misinterpreted type of right. And it was a hug. It's not like it was a kiss. I mean, I'd still go up to someone if they just hugged someone. Yeah. Right. To talk about something that I really needed to talk about. It's just, I don't think... See, the, I think one of my issues with this film, and I don't want to say issue because that's such a you know hard word. Right. They tried to put in so many different conflicts in this movie, and I couldn't yeah. follow which one was which. Like Caroline coming in, was that the conflict? Like trying to figure out messing up the festival, was the um, the misread situation with the hugging? Was that the conflict? Was the snowstorm yeah. conflict? They, they try to add so many conflicts, and usually a movie only has one. Yeah. Just, yeah, and they're selling the house, and is like Caroline trying to make moves, or like is she going to lose her job? Like, what's going on? And and then it turns out the festival is canceled, which really made no sense because everybody seemed to be having a pleasant time. It literally was an article about how he'd saved Christmas, uh, but it was all it was like the company who was going to buy it had all of a sudden decided not to host the festival on Christmas Day. That's craziness. <laughs> Like, so like again and like that also tried to be the con yeah yeah many moments where you're like what's the big problem of the movie we don't know yeah instead of just using the conflict that's in pride and prejudice yeah. the conflict of two people like why didn't they just use that i don't know they have this whole thing where he signed the papers but he has to transfer those papers over to the board or something like that and like he can't just do that through a scan and fax or whatever i don't know but he's going to get on this helicopter, but then Travis is like, hold up, and the, the helicopter can't go, or he's making this thing, and uh, so stolen them, and so then they go to work, uh, Jane, George, and Elizabeth, to get the festival back up and running, and, uh, and then they end up with more travel shenanigans, where they're stuck, uh, past the airport uh the car gets stuck in the snow or something yeah and that conflict that happens all the time (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) yeah the this was all this was both men but the women in in hallmark movies tend to be terrible drivers they're always getting into car accidents like like i'm like what's going on Uh, like they have more meet cute car accidents than they probably is probably healthy that is very true. The car uh, is always breaking down in some way. <laughs> uh, so then we see that Chris is really the real Santa, and he's there to rescue them and bring them to the festival. And then he sees the festival, and Darcy decides not to sell the house, and that the board also decides, I guess, that they're not going to sell the house. And so it's great, and everybody's happy, and they get... Uh, Darcy to read The Night Before Christmas, which was very sweet. I really enjoyed that. Another trope they had in, but it was really sweet. I I liked it, definitely trope, but it allowed Darcy to have a moment to socialize with everybody and be part of the event. Yeah. Like the main part of the event. 
was really cute. And I did think the final lines was very cute when he says to Elizabeth, I had to make it on the nice list. And she says, I think you did. And then they get their kiss. It was really cute. I like the ending. Yeah. So overall, like I said, I, I thought all of the Jane Austen stuff was bad. I thought all of the Christmas stuff was really fun. And so I end up giving this movie out of five crowns. I'm going to give it 3.25. What would you give it? Yeah, that's fair. I was actually going to give it just a three. Yeah. And Amber was at 2.8. So she's a little bit lower than both of us. Okay. Uh, yeah, because uh, so... But we're all pretty close. We're all in the same. And I, I definitely might have gotten a little bit of a, a first movie bump. Because <laughs> this is the first one I've seen, you know. And by the time you get to 37, you're a little more weary. Whereas here, I'm a little more forgiving I think, than I might be. You, like, re-rate your movies after you watched all 37. Yeah. And I will do a ranking that I'll continually update. Right now, as far as my whole Hallmark movie list for the my ranking for the whole year I have Christmas at Pemberley Manor at 34 out of I think 57 let's see here but just below the first morning show mystery at 33 and I have season for love at 35 so that's where I currently have it in my ranking so kind of right in the in the middle I guess <laughs> there so we still have a lot more movies to go. I know. Crazy. much for coming on talking about this movie. This was really fun. Yeah, of course. Thank you for always asking me. Yeah. Well, fellow podcasters and plus, you know, it's Hallmark, so I'm there. We really appreciate it. And uh, where can people find you online? Um, everyone can follow me at Serafini TV. Great. Love links for all that. Uh, and you're not sure what your coverage as far as AfterBuzz will be. No, not yet. And then nothing's set in stone yet, but eventually I'll probably, I was thinking my best way to approach it because there are so many movies. Mm -hmm. yeah. is I'll watch all of them, but only really like do in-depth coverage of the ones that I think stood out the most. Yeah, great. Well, make sure you're following Marissa on social media so that you know what she's covering and what's going on because it's really great stuff. And she puts a lot of, you just had a, a lot of really great interviews from HFR4, correct? Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. So definitely check all of those out. And uh, let us know what you think of this movie. Did you like it? Did you not like it? How many crowns would you give it? Let us know in the comment section or on Twitter. And uh, make sure you're following the podcast, A Homer's Pod, Instagram, Twitter, all of the social media. And if you can give us a rating on iTunes, we really appreciate it. It really helps us out and more people to find the podcast. So check that out. And you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and on YouTube and all over. And I really appreciate if you do. And uh, thanks again, Marissa. It was really fun. Yeah, always. Thank you. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Woo! <laughs>